0: informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by
1: the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse
2: Allen. Welcome into AOA. Thank you for joining us here today on the show. Once again, we always appreciate the time and insight with us here. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. AOA today brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. And again, you can find your everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Your local Cenex is just around the corner. Find them online at cenex.com. You can find your nearest location. Coming up on today's program, we are expecting to uh, talk markets here in just a minute with Brian Split from AgMarket.net. We're getting him connected with us here this more, uh, here on the show today. Also coming up, we're going to speak with Justin Tupper, the president of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. He's spending a little bit of time out in Washington, D.C., and we're going to get an update on what he's hearing when it comes to the farm bill and other legislative items that are priorities for the u.s cattlemen's association in segment three today dr rob johansson with the american sugar alliance going to be joining the show as we are going to uh, catch up on their recent uh sugar symposium that was held in california back in august we're going to get an update on sugar beet harvest and sugar cane production as well and uh, also going to Get an idea of uh, where they stand on some of the farm bill issues and much more. So looking forward to all of that coming up here on today's program. also have a look at some of the latest news headlines coming up here later in the show. And uh, looking forward to that as well. So great stuff coming up here on AOA today. We are uh, waiting to connect with Brian Split here. We'll hopefully get him in on... Uh, the show in just a minute. So uh, for now, I want to take just a kind of a peek right now at what's going on in the markets as we see a lot of uh, the harvest-type doldrums kind of settling in to the overall market trade here uh, as we look to round out the week. Things are are pretty, uh, pretty quiet as some of this harvest activity ramps up across the country. Soybeans especially have been uh, taking some profit here the uh, last couple of sessions, Corn has uh, been trying to hold this uh, 475-ish type level as things are, are kind of holding stagnant there right now. Really, corn is just kind of trying to, it almost feels like trying to find a support level, trying to find some bottoms here. While meantime, the wheat market has been under uh, a bit of pressure too, and uh, trying to find a bottom in the wheat trade as well. So it's been a very interesting market. You coupled that with just some of the um, Fed talk. The Federal Reserve on Wednesday afternoon did not raise interest rates, but they took a more hawkish stance, and there is talk that they will have another rate hike by the end of the year. So that is something that we want to keep a close eye on as well and how that impacts the markets as a whole. The Dow Jones on Thursday down uh, around uh, 200 points with uh, just some of that reaction to the feds no move for the month of september weekly export sales numbers out on thursday morning corn and bean sales uh we see those numbers coming in net sales uh 22.3 million bushels for corn 16 million bushels for soybeans and 11.8 million bushels of wheat sales were seen as well for the uh, weekly export sales report We did get a daily flash sale to Mexico for corn announced on Thursday morning. And that corn sale was, uh, I'm just getting the number pulled up in front of me here to apologize. It was a pretty decent sale, most of it for the current marketing year, 137,160 metric tons of corn to Mexico. And of that total, 121,920 for delivery during the 23-24 marketing year. And the balance a little over 15,000 metric tons for the 24 25 marketing year. So, uh, watching uh, corn sales tick up uh, to Mexico potentially, we'll have to see. Overall, though, it feels like demand continues to be a problem in this market. And it's something that uh, is going to feels like it's going to be with us for quite some time. So, it, it's kind of a, a double edged sword here. We got harvest pressure plus the poor demand and more. USDA has got the uh, quarterly grain stocks numbers coming up here at the end of the month. And then also coming up in October will be the October WASDE report. And I know those are going to be big headlines uh, in front of us here as we move forward. Well, again, uh apologize I'm trying to connect with Brian Split from agmarket.net, having some technical difficulties doing so. Uh, let's take a look at a couple uh, headlines that – I am watching here as we are working through today's program and we see that a modest rebound in U.S. wheat production and supplies is improving the outlook for profitability among grain elevators that store wheat. Futures market carries have improved for all three major classes of wheat and the buy basis is widening following a bigger harvest. The larger harvest follows two years of poor production and a historic run of inverted futures markets that sapped profitability for storing wheat. However, according to CoBank, the major risk to elevators in the year ahead is a sharp rally in wheat prices. Wheat stocks among major exporters are historically tight, and any disruption to the flow of Russian exports through the Black Sea could trigger a sharp price run-up. CoBank economist Tanner Emke says, quote, the flood of cheap Russian wheat into the global market may have created a false sense of security in the world wheat market, end quote. Now, Russia is currently harvesting a near-record wheat crop with substantial carryover inventories from last year's record-sized harvest. So, a little bit of a picture there from CoBank and uh, Tanner Mckee, economist there with CoBank. Just how Russian wheat exports, they remain a pretty big risk here to U.S. wheat. Uh, and I know as well, watching the global markets uh, as a whole, that is something that we're keeping an eye on. A lot of the issues with Russia-Ukraine. We've been seeing Romanian port operators racing to boost their grain operating capacity as they're becoming one of the few avenues for Ukrainian wheat exports to get out of the country and kind of bringing that through Romania. A Reuters report talking about Romanian port operators in the port of Constanta investing to boost their grain handling capacity at a pretty rapid rate here as uh, the Ukrainian exports through that Romanian port ramp up. A lot of issues going on with the uh, Russia-Ukraine situation impacting global grain flows. We're gonna be talking about that coming up here on a future episode of AOA with Kyle Holland. He is a MinTech market analyst based in London, and he will be joining us coming up on a future episode to dive deeper into the Black Sea issues and how that is impacting uh, trade flows and the markets as a whole here globally. Well, also as well, it's National Farm Safety and Health Week here uh, this week. And just want to remind folks that uh, very interesting stuff to watch closely as far as being safe and being healthy uh, out there during this harvest season. So just want to always highlight that and remind folks, uh, we are connected with Brian split from agmarket.net here uh, real quick. Uh, joining us now on the show, Brian, thanks for jumping on. I know we we're having some difficulty getting connected. Appreciate it. Uh, what's your overall take in the, uh, the market picture in the grains and oil seeds here as we look to wrap up the week, Brian.
3: Yeah, it's a risk-off today after the Fed meeting yesterday, dollars up big. The stock market is uh, revisiting the August lows, which is putting pressure on markets as a whole. Uh, right now we're hearing yield reports that uh, I think the theme currently is better than expected as far as the uh, you know what, what producers were thinking they might end up with based on the weather in late August. So uh, we're seeing some pressure develop, especially in soybeans.
2: All right, Brian, I appreciate a a couple comments there. We'll get you back on the show again soon. Brian split there with agmarket.net joining us just a little bit. Coming up next, we'll talk with Justin Tupper from the U.S. Cattlemen's Association here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Back with more right after this. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting Around the Table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.
4: At Bayer, we think farmers have made enough trade-offs. That's why we created VT4 Pro with RNAI technology. So you don't have to choose between yield potential or our widest spectrum of insect protection. You get both. And you're even protected against notorious pests like corn earworm and corn rootworm. Visit vt4pro.com to trade up without the trade-offs. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM grain marketing and other stewardship practices, copyright 2023 Bayer Group always preserved
1: paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stepacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main Office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states.
3: we can make a difference, bite by bite.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need, AOA. Now,
2: back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA here today, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart Joining us now, the president of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association, Justin Tupper, is with us. Justin, it is great to talk with you again here. Thanks for joining us on AOA. I hope you're doing well.
5: Well, thanks for having me. appreciate it.
2: Well, I know you are out in Washington, D.C. right now taking part in the LMA Fly-In. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on out there this week?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good to be here. Uh, we're out here with the Livestock Market Association uh, doing our annual uh, fly-in. Uh, lots going on out in D.C. Of course, uh, it's hard to get them to talk about anything but the debt ceiling, uh, but uh, there is still lots going on. Uh talking about the price uh, uh, discovery bill, Grassley Fisher. We're also talking about uh, uh, some of the bills that uh, would work on MCOOL. Uh, also talking about a lot of things that uh, do with our Livestock Market Association, so uh, prompt pay and uh, uh, some of the things that uh, we've been gotten past in the last few years. But uh, again, very busy time here on the Hill. Uh, really glad to be out here and uh, thankful for our uh, uh, staff here in South Dakota. We get to uh, uh, see, really, uh, our, our members and, and get to talk directly with them on the issues and uh, sure appreciate that.
2: Well, we appreciate you taking the time to be out there as well and advocating uh, for our uh, ranchers and folks in agriculture. And Justin, before we we talk about a few of those um, things you brought up there, you mentioned right away the debt ceiling talk, the talk of a government shutdown, trying to get all the appropriations figured out so we could maybe advance a farm bill Any chatter you're hearing in some of your meetings and and conversations there on Capitol Hill, are are we going to get something done here at least by the end of the month to keep the government open? What are you hearing right now?
5: Yeah, you know, I think that's uh, the big question on everybody's mind. You know, it's hard to get anything moved forward as divisive as it is here in Washington. Uh, That is definitely on the forefront of all of their minds. I had a meeting uh, yesterday with Dusty Johnson and definitely uh, talked about the debt ceiling and and, uh, how we're going to move things forward. So I think they've got a plan. Uh, Hopefully they can uh, get it pushed through uh, and we can keep the government open. Uh, Some of these things uh, really uh, don't seem like they uh, fit into our agenda when you look at uh, the flyover states especially, Uh, but uh, that's just the way it works here and they've got to get those things done before they can work on a farm bill.
2: All right. well let's talk about some more cattle related uh, items here as well that you mentioned. Uh, The Grassley-Fisher bill, let's start there. I know there was some talk about that maybe trying to get included within the farm bill and then we heard a couple months ago um, from Senator Grassley and Fisher that they don't think it might not end up in the farm bill might be something that would be separate from the farm bill what's some of uh, the latest you're hearing when it comes to the grassley fisher bill
5: yeah i think that's uh, exactly it uh i think it will probably stay standalone uh still quite a bit of support in the senate uh need to uh, garner some more important support in the house um i think Uh, it still has a good chance of getting up there. We've got to make sure that we can get it to the floor. Uh, that's where we were last year when the last Congress, uh, Got it out of committee, got it voted on, and uh, then we couldn't get the uh, chairman to bring it to the floor. So I think that's uh, uh, one of those uh, issues and one of those political uh, football fields that's very hard to navigate. But uh, uh, we'll still push very hard for and still believe in uh, uh, needing the Grassley Fisher bill. Uh, I think when we talk about uh, a fat cattle market that's as good as we've ever seen, and that's great. And we we definitely need it in this uh, time of inflation. Uh, But it's not the time to be complacent. Uh, We sure think that's the time to continue to work and uh, make sure that we can have these kind of markets and be viable uh, at at all times.
2: Well, and I I should follow up there as well. I know that cattle market reform has been a a hot topic for a few years now, and it it feels like that the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act, the Grassley-Fisher bill, has probably been our best chance at getting some sort of reform here in the last few years, isn't it, Justin?
5: Yeah, I think uh, without a doubt, uh, U.S. Cattlemen's has definitely believed and, and worked hard to get the Grassley Fisher bill. It was uh, not a perfect bill. We've said that from the beginning. It's not a be-all, fix-all. Uh, but we think it was a good compromise, and, and it's where we've worked hard uh, to try to get some consensus within the industry, and that's not always easy to do. Uh, but but I think it gives us a, a groundwork and a platform to work up from, and, the, and that's why we've always uh, uh, believed in and pushed hard for the groundwork. Ashley Fisher, Bill.
2: How about M. Cool? Uh, that feels like an issue I've been hearing a lot about and talking about for quite some time. Probably my whole ag broadcasting career, uh, you know, ten plus years. It feels like at this point, Justin. What's some of the latest when it comes to M. Cool and country of origin labeling?
5: Yeah, I think uh, you're exactly right. It seems like an issue we've talked about forever, and it seems like it's one that should be a no-brainer. You know, I think, uh, again, we say it all the time, you know where your uh, shirts come from, your jeans come from, and you have no idea where your your cheeseburger comes from that you eat. So uh, it it seems like it should be a no-brainer. I think there is definitely an appetite to try to get something done in this arena. Uh, The the WTO rule uh, stands and looms overhead pretty hard uh, to try to, finish up and, and make something uh, that's viable pass and also get through the WTO. So I'm hopeful. Uh, I, there's definitely talk about it as we're out here uh, uh, going up and down the, the halls. Uh, there's definitely some, some people that want to try to get something done. So I'm hopeful we can uh, move that forward and we can get something done on the MCOOL side.
2: We're talking with Justin Tupper, the president of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. Justin, I know just a a few weeks ago, uh, Livestock Identity Program had an update to that program from uh, USDA's Farm Service Agency. I know that was something that uh, USCA applauded. Could you talk about that a little bit?
5: (laughs) Yeah, without a doubt. I think, uh, you know, updating what some of these prices, uh, you know, to get us in line with today's market. And uh, I definitely want to give a big shout out to the uh, director, Zach Ducheneau, a fellow South Dakotan. Uh, You know, we we raised this issue to him and uh, within uh, not very long, uh, there they are working on and and raising some of those prices. So if they have uh, uh, losses that they're more in line with what the market is today. So uh, we applaud the FSA for uh, listening and and then being in touch with uh, the industry and it's very different than the the crop guys, you know, that have a, a safety net built in at all times, and it's there. Uh, we've we've got to work each and every time we have one of those events to make sure it's funded, and make sure that our guys, when they have a catastrophic event, uh, can at least uh, uh, stay viable and stay in the business and not get wiped out. So, again, uh, we applaud the FSA for raising those uh, minimum numbers, uh, and 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 we're glad that uh, we can uh, give old Zach a call and we can have a conversation about it and uh, and and work on it immediately and then we definitely have been able to do that.
2: Justin uh, any other priorities right now with USCA that uh, you're working on or you want to mention here today?
5: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just making sure that uh, the farm bill gets pushed through in a timely fashion. You know, uh, I don't know. I was asking a little bit while we were out here in D.C., when was the last time we did one on time? And nobody can remember if there was one. So uh, probably the fact that it's going to get pushed back a little is not as big a deal as it sounds. But uh, uh, we definitely need to get it done and and we need to make sure, um, you know, we figure out mandatory price reporting has been kicked down the road for quite some time to get refunded. And uh, there's sure been some talk about uh, how do we handle that? And is the packer now using mandatory price reporting against us instead of it being a tool that works for us? And, and uh, those are conversations we're going to have. And, uh, and we're glad to have here at U.S. Cattlemen's. And uh, we definitely want a uh, seat at the table to make sure uh, we can figure out those issues.
2: Justin, I should ask you before I let you go as well. Uh, you, you talked a little bit about just some of the prices we're seeing for cattle right now. I mean, just feels like we continue to see record level prices uh, at the sale barn. How, how are how are things in your opinion uh, across uh, across feedlot country and you know there at St. Ange Livestock at more your home? I mean, man, oh man, this market just continues to impress me each and every day that I look at it right now, Justin.
5: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. You know, it's uh, very impressive. Uh, Although uh, we're getting all-time highs, I think our expenses are at all-time highs. So I think these guys really need it. Uh, I think uh, that we look like this is a good place right now. We're in a pretty good place on numbers, cow numbers as low as we've ever seen them. Uh, I think uh, we we have enough chance to maybe stay in a pretty good market here. We're going to test the consumer and and see what they're going to stand and how long they're going to pay for this uh, at these levels. That's the, always the one concern when the prices get elevated. Uh, but I think fundamentally it looks good. Hopefully uh, we can hang in there and uh, all of our uh, ranchers across the country here uh, need to have a couple of years here where we can uh, re-energize and uh, pay off some debt and uh, move forward.
2: Fantastic. Well, we do appreciate the time and insight as always, and we'll get you back on the show again real soon. President of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association, Justin Tupper from South Dakota. Justin, thanks so much. Safe travels back home from D.C., and we'll talk to you soon.
5: Hey, thanks for having us. Appreciate it.
2: And once again, Justin Tupper, the president of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. All right, coming up next here on AOA, we're going to have a conversation with Rob Johansson from the American Sugar Alliance. We'll look forward to diving into some of the latest issues uh, in that segment of agriculture coming up here after the break as we continue with more AOA brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Back with more right after this.
6: Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701.
7: You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. It's still all about the Fed this morning as grains and livestock save for the soybean oil are all trading lower this morning after yesterday's announcement Traders are continuing to digest comments released in the Federal Reserve's monetary policy statement as well as those made by Chair Jerome Powell in the afternoon press conference. Now this morning, the VIX surged to a nearly four-week high above 16 as Wall Street adopted a bit of a risk-off sentiment following yesterday's afternoon statements. The dollar index also followed Treasury yields higher, hitting a fresh six-month high above 105.7, while yields on 10-year Treasuries traded to 4.49% representing a nearly 16-year high, while yields on two-year treasuries are trading at 5.2%. The commodity sector joined stocks in the red overnight, but crude oil has reversed higher with strong fundamentals of its own. That's despite the fear of higher interest rates for longer and despite the stronger dollar. Soybeans are the leader to the downside this morning amid an increased forecast for production in Brazil. Output in the South American country will total 162.4 million metric tons. That's up more than 5% year over year, and if realized, would be a record. Brazil is forecast by the USDA to produce 163 million metric tons of beans in 2324. That's up from 156 million tons last year. Global output is projected at 401.3 million metric tons. That's up from 370.1 million tons. Ending stockpiles are seen at 119.3 million metric tons. That's up from 103 million last year. U.S. production is forecast at 4.15 millimetric tons on yield of 50.1 bushels per acre. That's down from 4.28 millimetric tons on yield of 49.5 bushels last year. And ethanol production plunged to the lowest level in more than four months as inventories were higher in the week that ended on September 15th. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet.
0: Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now
1: back to Jesse Allen.
2: Welcome back to AOA brought to you by Senex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart everyday products powered locally. That's Senex. Well, let's turn our attention to the sugar industry right now. Joining us here on AOA, pleased to have a conversation with Dr. Rob Johansson, Director of Economics and Policy Analysis with the American Sugar Alliance. And Rob, it's great to talk with you again. I hope you're doing well.
9: Thanks so much for uh, for dialing me up. Um, You got here on phone, and I'm I'm eager to talk about the the fall harvest. We're just getting into it right now for sugar beets, and uh, sugar cane's starting up soon.
2: Yeah, and I appreciate the time. I know we were working there through the break, to, uh We were trying to get you on a computer, but sometimes technology doesn't want to work. So glad we could uh, default to a, a phone call here on the show today. Well, let's dive in. Let's talk about that, uh, that sugar beet harvest a little bit. I know you recently spent some time up in the uh, Red River Valley of the north and got an idea how things are looking there. What is the latest on sugar beet harvest? Let's start there, Rob.
9: Well, um, it's always you know an exciting time We're heading into October here when things will really get fired up. Um, and certainly the, the harvest is, is ongoing in other parts of the country out west and uh, Michigan will get started here soon too. Um, but you know when you're when you're talking about a crop that's spread across so many states, you do get some you know some really good looking uh, parts of the uh, of the crop and some that you know have had some weather issues. but overall, uh, for U.S. production uh, for beet sugar, it's going to be a good crop. About uh, last WASD came out um, earlier this month at about 5.2, um, you know, billion uh, 5.2 uh, short ton million short tons raw value. Um, that's up about uh, 150, 150,000 uh, tons from last month, and that'll still be up from last year um, a good a good bit. So uh, it's looking like a good crop. You know, we're always you know, watching the weather um, closely uh, this time of year, um, and I know that the uh, the valley's going to have all their drivers out there getting ready to pull that crop in as soon as things start cooling down. It's been warm, you know, this this mm-hmm. uh, end of summer, so I think that's slowed down the early harvest a tad, but um, again, USDA a, a pretty a pretty good crop for us this year up
2: there. I was going to say things uh, from what I've heard are looking good too. Not only there, but you mentioned Michigan and some of the other areas, so it's uh, it's good to hear that uh, sugar beet harvest is looking good. And you alluded to the uh, the WASD numbers there uh, as well. So we'll see if there's any updates uh, moving forward on future WASDs. But good to hear things are are, are looking good. Well, Rob, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. I know the 38th International Sweetener Symposium uh, was held back in August out in California, I believe. And uh, you guys had a a lot of stuff going on at that symposium. Can you give us a bit of a recap, some of the things that were talked about?
9: Oh, sure. Yeah, Um, of course, we had, uh, I think I'd like to focus first on just the great support we got from all our members of Congress, uh, that were either out there in person or or certainly participated by video, um, I think we had you know, over 20 uh, different members sending in support, uh, suggesting, um, you know, uh, that they would have our backs when we head into the farm bill discussion. Um, And uh, certainly, um, uh, also emphasizing the importance of the sugar industry, both, you know, uh, in bee country as well as in cane country down south. Um, We had good representation from all across the United States um, from our leaders there on the Hill. So, it's it's always that's always the key point, uh, key part of our symposium is to to have the chance for growers uh, and producers to interact with with members. Um, And we had that opportunity. And then, of course, you know, uh, being an economist, I like having some economic panels to talk about uh, the challenges that may be uh, and opportunities that are out there for for sugar production in uh, this past couple of years and certainly going forward into the future. Um, and farm bill is obviously on everybody's mind this, this time of year um, as we're heading into the end of the, of the last mm-hmm. farm bill and, and um, picking up the reins for uh, um, looking to see what's going to be in the new farm bill. So yeah, a lot of interest in all of those topics. Um, certainly um, uh, a lot of excitement um, about getting together as an industry um, when we have you know, so many producers from all across the country, um, you know, in different parts of, uh, of the production cycle at different times of the year, you know, all the way from beet production in California to, uh, you know, uh, sugar refining in New York, uh, state, you know, there's, yeah. it's hard to find a time when everybody can get together and, uh, sort of kick back and, um, and, and look, look towards, you know, um, the future and, and what, uh, everybody's interested in uh, in seeing, you know. And right now, um, I know a lot of people are worried about high production costs. Um, we've seen uh, not just for sugar cane or sugar beet producers, um, but for yeah. producers across the country, uh, higher input costs, whether that's diesel fuel or labor or um, shipping and handling or what have you. It's this, you know, it's a high a high production cost period right now, and I think that's that's sort of what the main concern that folks have heading into the, into this farm or into this new, uh, farm bill period.
2: I was going to say your perspective as an economist, is it, is it the high input costs? Are there other headwinds that you're concerned about? Is there things, you know, as far as, uh, you know, exports and trade and how that could impact, uh, the bottom line here throughout the sugar industry? What, what are some of the challenges you, you foresee here overall moving forward right now, Rob?
9: Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, we have such a good, uh, strong supply chain here in the United States for sugar that, um, you know, the, the the other things that that might be affecting um, other crops are, aren't as worrisome for us. But the the high input cost issue is is one that um, that is really concerning to all our producers. Um, finding enough labor. Um, Both on farm as well as in the processing uh, is always a challenge. And that's always, you know, uh, trying to find, uh, you know, what the labor market looks like right now. It's very tight. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. um, hard to, it's hard to find enough labor in some parts of the country to, you know, to have, make sure you've got enough drivers around uh, for harvest. So I know every year that's a challenge. and, you know the beet harvest goes fast and furious for you know a couple of weeks there and uh yep. they need a lot of drivers lined up you know and they've got that that accomplished but it's you know certainly um something that folks are talking about and i uh, want to make sure that they've got planned out for the coming year same with fuel prices um and of course you know a lot of our inputs in the upper midwest come up the mississippi and you know the, the river is pretty dry right now and so that that's You know uh contributing to some anxiety about how input prices and availability might be you know for for next year um so that's you Mm -hmm. know these are the kind of that um that are always around of course weather is an issue too whether uh you know we saw um we saw some you know hurricane action earlier this year and that's always a concern for some folks uh for growing crops down in texas louisiana and florida um it's been actually uh, very hot and dry in some parts of uh, sugarcane production region down in Louisiana and, and in Texas, having a hard time getting enough water for the crop. So, um, sure. you know the you know worries about weather is uh, is always something to hear. Um, uh, but again, we're uh, we're looking at a pretty good crop going forward, uh, overall uh, down a little bit from last year. Uh, very good production last year, but still around nine million tons um, domestic uh, production, and then. Of course, we bring in about three and a half million tons from uh, from other countries, our trading partners, and uh, of course, Mexico, being our biggest, larger, produ- uh, largest supplier um, uh, from outside the United States, is you know sending us at between a million and uh, a million and a half tons every year. So um, we you know follow their crop pretty closely as well, and they had a just like um, some of our southern crops, they had a hot, dry, um, hot, dry season, and so. Um, tracking how they're doing the WASD obviously puts out some of their numbers uh, uh, as well um so we follow that um the mexico supply is expected to actually uh be up significantly from from last year's production um you know of course last year producers all around the world not just in the united states were dealing with high fertilizer costs so you saw them yep. ratcheting back and using fertilizer and you saw some yield drag from that um it, not just with sugarcane in other countries, but other crops as well. So um, a bounce back, you know, as, as fertilizer prices have come back down from those uh, high peaks that we saw at the, last fall. Um, mm-hmm. But still dry season for the Me- the Mexican, Mexican producers. So we'll, we'll watch that as well. So um, yeah. usually at our symposium, we get a pretty good contingent coming up from Mexico to join us there and talk about, you know, how they're um, how their season's going and how they're, um, they're viewing their production. So we had some productive discussions with those guys as well.
2: Rob, we got about a minute here. I know, uh, farm bill, you mentioned that appropriations fight going on right now, the potential of a government shutdown just real quick, uh, you think, uh, well, one, do you think we're going to get a farm bill by the end of the year now? And then two, I mean, what's the state with all the, uh, talk on Capitol Hill. Can you give us a, a few thoughts there real quick?
9: Sure. Yeah. No. I'll just uh, I'll tie up. I just want to just want to highlight. First of all, um, you know that we've got plenty of supply. We're having a good production year. We're going to have. Last year we had a carryout of over four billion uh, pounds of sugar. This year we're going to be. You know, it's pretty early in the marketing year um, it's coming up here, at the beginning of October one. But expecting to have about three and a half billion pounds of sugar uh, uh, supply in excess of demand. So. Plenty of sugar uh, for everybody for the holidays, and uh, of course, uh, wishing um, you know a happy Halloween and uh, as well as uh, the other holidays that are going to be coming up here towards the winter time. But uh, mm-hmm. on the farm bill, it's, it's anybody's. Uh, there's a lot of prognosticators about that. I know you're. Am I running out of time? We're out. We're out
2: of time. There, we'll have to. We'll have to pick up a conversation coming up here uh, down the road. Dr. Rob Johansson with the American Sugar Alliance. Do appreciate the time though this morning. Thanks for joining me. We appreciate it.
9: Thanks so much for having me. Talk to you later.
2: We'll be back with more AOA, brought to you by Sinex Roadmaster XL. On the way. Right after this.
10: A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to HeartValveVoice-U.S.org.
1: 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right?
11: Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference.
9: Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this
2: year's been going...
11: (laughs) Hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes.
1: I like three minutes.
11: Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle.
7: I like that too.
11: Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council.
1: Spot Less. Introducing the cleanup for Tar Spot, leaf Spot, Southern Rust, and more. Novel next-generation Adastrio fungicide broadens your spectrum and strengthens your residual when it comes to foliar disease control in corn. Visit your FMC retailer or at astrio.ag.fmc.com to clean up this season. Follow 2WE for tar spot management in corn. Valid until 131-28. Always read and follow all
12: label directions.
2: Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss.
7: Corn is native to the American continents and was unknown to the rest of humanity until Columbus arrived in the New World in the 15th century. It took less than 100 years after Columbus's discovery for corn to be introduced to farmers in Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Pacific Islands. After wheat and rice, corn is the third most cultivated crop in the world. The four nations that purchase the most corn from the United States are Mexico and Colombia, who use it as a food ingredient, and Japan and South Korea, who buy it mainly for animal feed.
12: In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to patriotic hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not.
0: informing America's farmers and ranchers AOA
2: now back to Jesse Allen welcome back to AOA brought to you by Cenex premium diesel Cenex Roadmaster XL everyday products powered locally that's Cenex well let's take a look at news headlines here before we run out of time on today's show Well, a House farm bill appears hung up over the same fight as in the Senate, food stamps versus food production, a fight made worse in a no-new-money farm bill year. Iowa Senator Republican Chuck Grassley revealed to farm reporters this past week that internal farm bill talks are hung up at a fight pitting food stamp spending against boosting crop reference prices. Now, over in the House, Ag Chair Glenn G.T. Thompson told an Axios forum this past week that meeting producer needs will be his priority in the new farm bill.
0: The difficulties that uh, those families that provide our food are facing. So that's the inflationary costs, the, the Russia, Ukraine, Belarus situation, which has decreased our uh, access to some of our imported fertilizer. Fertilizer you need to increase productivity, and with increased productivity you can feed more people. So it's the inputs.
2: Thompson continued during Axios questioning to stress boosting farm productivity, now up more than 280% since the 1940s.
0: My goal is with this farm bill, through innovation, science, and technology, we take that productivity to 400% since the 1940s by the year 2035.
2: But Democrats are fighting to hold on to SNAP funding boosted in the pandemic and threaten to withhold farm bill votes otherwise. Top Ag Democrat in the House, David Scott, told Ag Republicans in June.
3: We stand united against any efforts to take food away from children, families, or any vulnerable American in this farm bill or any legislation.
2: Scott led a Democratic letter to Speaker Kevin McCarthy that, quote, playing partisan snap politics, end quote, resulted in early failures of the 2014 and 18 House farm bills, jeopardizing farm safety net programs. Thompson told AgriPulse then lawmakers would not be doing their job if they refused to look at further nutrition title reforms, despite new snap work requirements in the Debt Reduction Act. Well, also, the National Farmers Union recently hosted their fly-in. Wisconsin Farmers Union President Darren Von Ruden says they spent time with their 16 representatives from the state talking to lawmakers on topics that include the farm bill.
0: Yeah, that was uh, one of our main talking points and really want to see a farm bill get uh, signed into law this year, certainly knowing that that's going to be a hard road to hoe because of the other budget issues that are going on right now and then just the other issues that are going on within Congress and within the party debates between each other. It seems like the farm bill discussion is not high in center right now or the biggest priority.
2: However, following the discussions with lawmakers, Von Ruden expects action on the farm bill by the end of the year
0: looking like probably can see something coming out of the Senate for sure before the end of the year. They're not going to get it done before the end of the current farm bill due to expire the 30th of September here and looking like the Senate's definitely on pace to get something done before the end of the year. But right now, the House of Representatives is another question, uh, just depending on how soon they can get current uh, government shutdown issue taken care of.
2: Other topics discussed with lawmakers included trade, dairy labeling, and right to repair. Well, also, as we take a look at other news headlines here today on the show, the U.S. Department of Agriculture is announcing a second round of payments for dairy producers through the Organic Dairy Marketing Assistance Program, providing an additional $5 million to help dairy producers mitigate market volatility, higher input and transportation costs, and unstable feed supply, and prices that have created unique hardships in the organic dairy industry. USDA's farm service agencies already paid out $15 million in the first round of payments for eligible producers, bringing total. ODMAP payments to 20 million dollars fsa administrator zach duchino says quote this program is critical to keeping small organic dairy sustainable as they continue to weather a combination of challenges outside of their control in total the farm service agency is providing 20 million dollars to give organic dairy producers additional economic support to stay in operation until markets return to more favorable conditions end quote and also a new policy proposal in Pennsylvania would mandate the increased use of electric vehicles in the state. It would replicate California's advanced clean cars 2 policy and effectively ban the manufacturing of internal combustion engines by 2035. Bill Dunn, president of the Pennsylvania Cattlemen's Association, says this proposed mandate should matter to everyone.
0: Number one, from a mandate standpoint, I don't think we should be mandating things like this. My association obviously isn't opposed to technology and improved technologies, but this certainly isn't one that fits rural lifestyle, especially an agricultural rural lifestyle. One of the main things that we oppose is the fact that there's a lot of unintended consequences that no one has really thought about. 40% of the corn grown here in Pennsylvania goes for ethanol. If we would switch to EVs, it could potentially cut demand for ethanol by 90%, possibly resulting in a 50% drop in the price of corn.
2: He says the EVs are too expensive for many people.
0: Why my association, as opposed to it, is simply the effect that it would have on already financially strapped individuals and families in rural Pennsylvania. The median income in Pennsylvania is a little over sixty-three thousand dollars. In rural Pennsylvania, it's even less than that. These vehicles, when you think about it, a sixty-six thousand dollar average price tag for an EV right now. You know, it almost takes a hundred and twenty thousand dollar income to afford these vehicles. It's going to punish our rural people and our people that are invested in a rural lifestyle and an agricultural living. It's going to be a disproportionate punishment to those people.
2: A recent survey clearly showed Pennsylvanians thoughts about electric vehicles.
0: There was a recent survey in Pennsylvania that only 6% of the respondents say that they are very likely to purchase an EV in the next two to three years. But I think the most important thing about that is only 6% of the respondents strongly supported adding an additional charge on people's electric bills to pay to fund the building of these charging stations.
2: The Pennsylvania Cattlemen opposed the mandate that puts new burdens on residents in the middle of higher costs and inflation.
0: I think it's crazy when you think about these charging stations, it's going to cost over $5,000 per vehicle to build these stations, and I just don't know that Pennsylvanians can afford this at this time. I mean, when we're talking about 20-year high inflation, some people have adjustable mortgages that have quadrupled in the last year, and I don't see how we can afford this to be mandated on us. I mean, if people voluntarily want to do it, that's great, but as an association, we're opposed to forcing it upon people.
2: Well, and again, that is comments with Bill Dunn, the president of the Pennsylvania Cattlemen's Association. Something interesting to watch there with potential Pennsylvania EV mandates. Well, we're out of time here on AOA today. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up on the next episode, we'll recap the Cattle on Feed report with Dr. Daryl Peel from Oklahoma State University. We'll also talk weather with John Baranek from DTN and markets with Darren Newsom from Bar Chart. That's going to do it for AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day.
4: At Bayer, we think farmers have made enough trade-offs. That's why we created VT4 Pro with RNAi technology, so you don't have to choose between yield potential or our widest spectrum of insect protection. You get both, and you're even protected against notorious pests like corn earworm and corn rootworm. Visit vt4pro.com to trade up without the trade-offs. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023, Bear Group, always preserved.
6: Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere whether you're in the shop on the combine or in the truck farm radio is right there with you this message brought to you by the national association of farm broadcasting
11: you are not your diagnosis
8: a medical chart is not your identity
11: and vision loss does not define you your drive shows who you are and you are not alone Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage.
8: An advocate for hope.
11: You are not alone. Because we are stronger together.
10: We drive the research for the cures we are finding.
8: We're fighting macular degeneration.
10: Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome. And the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We
11: fight. We, we win. win. We, 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 we are, are the Foundation, Foundation Fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness.
5: Join the fight at fightingblindness.org.